What's up, guys? Thanks for joining us. This is Danny Langloss. Hey, if you're not following us on LinkedIn, please connect, follow us. We're posting daily leadership, mindset, motivation content. Also linked in this podcast description is an article we wrote titled Employee Engagement 10X, The Seven Pillars of Ownership. Ownership changes the game. Ownership is our team members' extreme psychological and emotional commitment to the team, to the organization, to our goals, to our purpose. It's when people do things because it's important to them, not because they're told to do it. Changes everything. All right, here we go. Let's get after it. There are so many things that impact our ability to achieve success, but none are more important than leadership. Individuals, organizations, and communities rise and fall with leadership. We are here to help you rise. Thank you for joining us. This is the Leadership Excellence Podcast. Hello, leaders, and welcome to Leadership Excellence. My name is Danny Langloss, and today we're joined by Wendy Ryan. I'm so excited about this conversation today. We're going to talk about how to think, act, and inspire your way to greatness. Wendy Ryan is the CEO of Cadabra, an interdisciplinary team of leadership and organizational change experts based in Silicon Valley, California. How cool is that? With over 25 years of combined experience in human resources, organizational development, nonprofit leadership, and executive coaching, she has partnered with hundreds of individuals and organizations throughout the United States, helping frontline through C-suite leaders and board members achieve success as individuals and teams. The concepts and strategies we're going to talk about today come from her first book, her recently released book in May of 2021, titled Learn, Lead, Lift how to think, act, and inspire your way to greatness. Wendy, welcome to the Leadership Excellence Podcast. Hi, Danny. It's great to be here. Wendy, could you share with us a little bit about your journey and what's led you to where you are today? Sure. I started out my career in human resources and recruiting and uh, learned the ropes, as I like to say, as an HR generalist. So doing a little bit of everything in HR, benefits, comp, employee relations, and I, I really enjoyed that, and I enjoyed the, the challenge of figuring out all of that stuff. However, the thing that kept coming up for me was how much I enjoyed leadership, and I enjoyed particularly working with leaders. So eventually, Maybe not surprisingly, I moved into HR consulting and then uh, leadership development and organizational development. I did get my master's degree in HR and OD and uh, found at the time that, oh, that's what you call that thing I've already been doing for several years. So I, I, I hear you listeners, if you're someone like me who kind of mid-career decided to, to go get that degree, uh, it, it's a good thing. It, it definitely helps you realize how much you have learned and how much there is still to learn. I founded Cadabra after working for another firm for a number of years. I felt like I reached the top of my learning curve and I wanted to experiment. I wanted to play. I wanted to grow. I wanted to kick the tires. So it seemed like a really good idea to me to just go out on my own and take those risks of, of being a solo practitioner. And uh, Cadabra has been around since 2014. We now have a team of people, and we are just very excited that this year we finally got to bring Learn, Lead, Lift, uh, my book, and the framework behind it into the world. That is awesome. You know, one of the things I love is talking to people who have that really good mix and background, you know, in the workforce, in companies, in organizations. Uh, progress through leadership roles, 
go back, add education to it. There's, there's always some value there. Um, I get that we, you know, just because you get a college degree doesn't mean you're a great leader or successful. I, I get it. Um, um, but there is a value in that. And then to be transitioning over and, and doing consulting work and now not seeing what was going on within your organization and the issues that, that caused your progression uh, and, and, and really the growth mindset I hear coming from you, but then to learn and help many different organizations. Because I know one of the things you're really passionate about is diversity and inclusion. You do some work with nonprofits and some different communities. Do you want to talk about that and some of those passions before we get going? Yeah, so I think as a, uh, I identify as a woman, I'm a white woman, cisgendered, heterosexual. Uh, so I look like a lot of people we see uh, throughout the United States, both in leadership and in organizational management roles. And uh, one of the things that I experienced through my career was that there is a difference between being identified as a woman versus being identified as, as a man. So from time to time, uh, certainly felt like because of my gender identity, my experience was different than my male colleagues. And I also had the wonderful blessing of three children come into my life and took some time out to care for them mid-career, came back in to working. And what I found at that time is that there was a real, um, I hate to use the word bias, but I think it is a real thing of, for caregivers. So the, the working world didn't quite understand why would I have a successful career, take a step back, come back in, and what did that mean? Was I less committed? Was I uh, going? Were my skills going to be out of date? And it was so interesting to me because I felt like I was way more capable having had the kids and having uh, had to really expand my own personal toolkit around showing how I show up in the world and how I take care of other people and how how I lead in my home and. It, it was it was kind of a real disconnect for me. So I think because of those experiences, when I re-entered uh, the workforce in, in 2011, after taking a few years out, I really became passionate about advocating for other women and other caregivers. And so my work started to, to especially gravitate in that direction. So I was working with leaders, I was working with organizations, but I, I kept wanting to root for the women in particular and yeah. root for the people that had 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 that experience of caregiving and were trying to, to still have a meaningful career. So in 2018, I did something that really scared me. Um, I decided that I would become an angel investor. And this scared me for several reasons. One, because I don't have a financial investment, you know, professional investment background. And two, because I thought, well, who am I to assess who should be funded and who not? And I, I did it because I knew that there were things there I could learn and that it was a good way to challenge myself and get onto a whole new learning curve. And I understood after doing some research that there were some investors who chose to invest in women-led companies, for example, or BIPOC or LGBTQ-led companies. And that really excited me. It was like, here's a way for me to learn, for me to give back, for me to have an impact and maybe change the trajectory of someone's life who is like me and, and didn't have 
that kind of support. So um, that has been a, a really significant and pivotal point for me in my journey and my interest toward, um, toward serving others, diversity, equity, and inclusion in particular. Great, great work. Absolutely. And one of the things you talked about, so in the seven pillars of ownership framework, I talk about my friend, Hannah, whose name I've changed. Um, and, and she wasn't at a point where, where you were, where she left the workforce and came back, but she was at a point where she was working in management, um, had a teenage child, a daughter who was struggling at school, who had, um, ADHD and some behavioral things. And, she found herself with zero support from a female boss um, who, and, and she had to choose and she made that tough choice that people shouldn't have to make. And, you know, she left her boss and her job uh, really underutilized her skill set for several years. Now is back in the workforce in a totally different culture and work environment doing incredible things. And I, I think that, um, you know, you know, we, we talked to Sajel Thacker and then we, we followed that up in, in another interview talking about gender equality in the workplace. And then the, the, the challenges that, that, that African-American women face in the workplace, and these challenges are still real, even though strides have been made. Um, these challenges are very real. And you brought out another side of that, which I appreciate. And then this podcast, that's, those are things that we want to talk about and bring awareness so we can increase our awareness, so we can increase our empathy, our understanding, and so we can show compassion, which I believe is taking action uh, to help you know level that playing field, support people, because we are at risk. When we don't have diversity and we don't have that inclusion, um, we, are, we are putting ourselves really at risk because the research out there is clear. When you have diverse teams, leadership teams made up of at least 50% women, um, your success, your innovation, your culture, your profits, everything goes up. And so I appreciate you sharing that. Thank you. I, I think what I add is that uh, we really are at a time where our demographics are changing worldwide. But if we just look at the U.S. and we we focus on, you know, how, what will be the racial makeup of people in the U.S., especially working people in the U.S. in the year 2040. It won't be what it is now. Yeah. Uh, we, whether we are comfortable with that idea or not, the reality is that our, our workforce is and will continue to change a lot. And it's not going to look like our workforce of today or the last 20 years. And so all of that to me creates a real sense of urgency as a, as a leadership practitioner as a, and as a coach to help equip people to be ready for that future, both personally as upcoming leaders, but also for uh, leaders who are at the top of their game now, maybe they're at the head of the organization or they're part of a leadership team and they're struggling with what is this diversity thing? You know, What do we really have to do? How far is too far? You have to lean in 100% because if you don't, you will be obsolete and you won't be setting your company up and your, your organization up, your, or your community up for its best possible future. And I think that's what we all want. Absolutely. We're already seeing those struggles on something that I think is a far less complex issue than, than diversity, and that is uh, the millennials and the, the complaints that that I hear I was speaking at Harvard University and I was talking about how the millennials being a great generation that will really help us move us towards that diversity inclusion, the impact they'll have in law enforcement. And after the presentation, 
uh, a captain from the Boston Police Department came up to me and started talking to me. He was friendly, liked the presentation, but he said, I got to ask you, do you really believe that shit you said about millennials? And that's what he said. Those were his words. I don't generally yeah. pass on the podcast. Um, and I'm like, yeah, absolutely. But he wasn't willing to change. He wasn't willing to see their gifts. He wasn't right. willing to, and, and everything I've heard from you so far in this, in this podcast is growth mindset, growth mindset, growth mindset. We always got to be looking to get 1% better every day. Um, and, and he wasn't able to do that. Well, the, the challenges I believe are, or even far greater um, for because of the male-dominated side of leadership right now. That that will begin to change, and as millennials work their way through in the lower half of of Gen X, um, to really have that understanding and not say like it's my way or the highway. Come on to my way. You'll look the way I want you to look as a company. Um, they're 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 going to be in lots and lots and lots of trouble. And so I appreciate the awareness you bring in there. And I, I have a feeling we're going to talk about that a little bit more as we dive through this. So from, from the book, Learn, Lead, Lift, what are the things that differentiate those that are great leaders from others? And did you break down some categories of, of things of these great leaders? Yes. Yeah, so I think the first, you know, 20 years of, of leadership development in, in my career, all of the models and research that, that I saw, the emphasis was very heavily on skill sets and behaviors. And those are two of the categories in the Learn, Lead, Lift framework. Okay. Um, skill sets is what you know or know how to do. And those are important in leadership. Absolutely. And it depends on your role, which skills really matter and to what extent. But those are things we can fairly easily acquire through experience, through formal learning, etc. Behaviors has also been a really big focus in leadership development for a long time. How do we show up to others? How, how do others experience us? And we have a lot of assessments that get at both of those. The third area of the Learn, Lead, Lift framework is one that we are talking a lot about now, and I'm happy that we are, but it has not been part of our conversation until pretty recently, and that's mindsets. So mindsets are how we think, and I, that is not necessarily what I would say is the, is the starting point, because I think it's a little more iterative and um, synergistic, but we really have to be willing as leaders and as aspiring leaders to get very clear on how we think and what is our perspective and what has been our experience in the world um, and how other people who are sitting in the same room right next to us and hearing the exact same presentation are having a completely different experience than we are. And that's something that we really haven't talked en enough about, I think, um, historically. Yeah, 100%. One of the things I was teaching a group of leaders, it was right before COVID shut down. And one of the things I started with was why we lead directly translates into how we lead. And so we kind of started from this place of why do you lead and, and took a few minutes for people to really think, write that down, share some of that out loud, because it really does translate. And what you're talking about in great leaders is very high levels of emotional awareness and emotional intelligence. Yes. And, and, you know, I think empathy is one of a leader's greatest tools and understanding that, look, there's a lot more perspectives, like a lot things we can't even imagine than what are going on in our own mind. And how do we get to understand people? And then it ties into the other concept, leading the whole person, understanding people individually, 
Um, so, so many, so many different things. So do you want to start with mindset and some of the key things that you found with mindset or what people could take away from this podcast with mindset to prepare them for, for leading now and into the future? Yeah. So I think going back to, to my own background and then talking a little bit about how I wrote the book is really important here. Um, my own background, as I've shared, is a combination of some formal education, but also a lot of experience and a lot of life experience. And the, the um, when, we, when we think about, okay, that's great, right? But I don't have a PhD, so I'm not coming at this from an academic perspective necessarily. Um, I was really interested in what do other people who've had different experiences than I've had have to say about leadership and specifically the people that we don't typically think of as leaders. So I set out to interview people like artists. So what does someone who paints for a living have to teach us about leadership, if anything? Uh, what about an athlete? I think that's an easier translation for a lot of people to make, but if you're used to being part of a team, how does that translate to thinking about leadership? I talk to parents, I talk to therapists. So people that I thought have a really different perspective and can teach me something. And then I looked at all of that together. So the Learn, Lead, Lift framework is really based on a lot of different people's experience and lens of, of what it's like to navigate the world as a leader or what their experience of a leader has been. So then when we look at something like mindsets, it might make sense that one of the mindsets that comes through very strongly is people first. Mm -hmm. And right after that, identity matters. Identity matters. And that is the exact opposite of what I and a lot of other people were taught when we were coming up through the educational system. We weren't supposed to see color. We weren't supposed to notice or, or comment if someone was gay or, or if they had a disability. It's like all of that was supposed to be invisible. And in fact, we've learned the opposite is really true. Also things like, um, you mentioned growth mindset. That's huge. I also talk about grit. So Angela Duckworth's um, concept that, you know, effort counts twice. It's not just about talent. It's, it's really, are we putting forth effort combined with skill that matters most in the long run? And adding to that, uh, what, what happens when we think about privilege? Privilege mediates grit. Because the reality is, if I'm just focused on effort, the effort that you, Danny, put forth to accomplish a thing, you're going to get a certain result. But the effort that someone who identifies differently than you do puts forward, is going to, they're not going to have the same result. And that's because of the degree of privilege that you hold or they hold. So we have to get much more sophisticated in our understanding of not just what are our mindsets, but how have our experiences and other people's experience shaped their reality? Because we have to be able to deal with that, whether we like that reality or we don't like that reality. Okay. So 
when you talk about privilege, because this is a hot button issue, right? It sure you is. Know, yeah. Coca-Cola um, had some training that was telling people, teaching people, white people to be less white. And right. so, so one of the things, and I've always been a huge fan of the diversity inclusion. We had a, a, a gentleman named Rich Johnson come in and do an incredible diversity training for our police department years and years ago. It's so important. But, but <clears throat> excuse me, what happens is when when we see things and hear things like this deal with Coca-Cola about, you know, be less white, it puts up our armor as Brene Brown would talk about and it closes us off, right? I mean, even yes. for people like myself who are huge social justice advocates, um, and, and look at things much differently, maybe than a normal white male would in a leader, you know, in my role. Um, you know, when I hear this thing from Coca-Cola about be less white, it's like, wow, that, that kind of stings. Um, but I think as you're talking about this, you can give a little different, um, understanding of privilege and why it is that me as a white male coming from a good family, not a rich family, actually a very poor family, um, would would have a, a different outcome with the same effort than maybe somebody different than me. Do you want to take a little deeper dive into that? I do. So the term I use is privilege and quotient. So we you've heard of IQ and you've heard of EQ, uh, you know, intellectual capability and then emotional intelligence. Yeah. So I said, why don't we have a PQ, which is our privilege quotient? And the idea here is that there are there are nine or ten categories of difference that we tend to notice in people, and they have to do with not just the color of our skin, but again, are we able-bodied or not? Are we neurotypical or not? Um, and if you look at those nine or ten categories, you can basically assign. Yeah, I have. I say I identify that way, or I don't identify that way. Come up with a score, and if you divide that by the nine categories, you have your privilege quotient. And there are two kinds of PQ. There's what is your general PQ that you sort of carry around in most settings, and then what is then there's a variable PQ. So depending on the room we walk into or the setting we walk into, recognizing that our level of privilege might be higher in some settings and lower in others. So when we think about it that way, I think, think it helps us be more objective and get less hooked into, I have to be less white, because that's not the idea behind the PQ. The idea is that I need to just be aware of how, how is my privilege serving me and how is it showing up in this particular setting relative to other people's? Because if I'm the person walking in the room with the highest PQ, I have a responsibility and an obligation to see to the experience of other people. That's on me. That's a leadership responsibility that I have. And the more we cultivate that kind of consciousness and intention, again, the more successful we're going to be to create the environment in the future that we're all going to thrive in. Absolutely. You're talking, and, and, and we're talking about this in a leadership capacity, a duty and a responsibility of leaders to meet people where they are at, to lead yes. the whole person, to have a deeper sense of understanding 
right, of that person. Because what, ha you know, it's, it's so funny because I know that profits and productivity and, and all these things are super, super important. And, and, and you got to get there. And when you get this right, you get there exponentially better than you do when you don't get it right. But yes, because you have the best talent on board with you. When you don't do this part right, you don't have the best talent on the train with you. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I want, I want leaders to even dive deeper than innovation and creativity and profit and productivity. And I want them to think about the impact they have on this person's quality of life, because the quality of life, the, 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 uh, you know, the, the father I am when I leave work, the mother you are when you leave work, right? The friend I am, the family member, the son or daughter is so impacted by our work experience, right? Yes. And, and when people feel like they belong, when they feel included, when they feel significant, I'm trying to remember the word that, that you had said a few minutes ago, I, uh, the identity matters, right? The, yes. this, the significance, it has such a greater impact. And you're going to see that benefit and impact at work through profits, productivity, creative in, in, innovation, but you're also going to be having such an impact on your people and your team's lives. And if your people are your gold, like they're our gold, that's such a huge difference in impact you're making as a leader and you're doing really well for your company. Yes, I, I strongly believe both are possible. And the good news is we have the data now to back that up. So any anytime you want to Google, does diversity matter? What are the what are the the statistics that will will back that up? They are easily found now. Are there a couple things that stick out to you from the statistics that off the top of your mind? Like I'm not a statistic person, so I'd have to, I wouldn't have it right in front of you. Is there anything that off the top of your mind that you'd want to share on that? You know, the, the thing that I think has been most both shocking to me and also um, enlightening and, and something I've really tried to figure out how can I impact is the fact that we have a huge, huge wealth gap. Uh, just in our country, and that it is tied to racial identity. So I had no idea when I started as an angel investor in 2018, because I was not taught about that. I didn't know what redlining was. I didn't know that, that you know, my grandparents in the 1950s, when they went to go buy a house, got a loan no problem, but somebody else in a different neighborhood who's grandparents didn't look like me, had a completely different experience and couldn't get a loan. That just was never part of my formal education, even at the master's degree level. Uh, even coming from a university that is uh, a Jesuit university that is all about ethics and the whole person and, and all of those wonderful values. So we have some real blind spots and gaps, some of us, in the information that, that we've come across before. And so I was absolutely floored to learn that um, black people, especially black women, have such a hard time getting funding for, for their businesses. Um, so whether it's to angel investors, to VCs, to traditional banks and, and lending platforms, it's the, the statistics are in like the single digits, the amount of funding that, that goes to um, companies led by black women. And it has nothing to do with the quality of their ideas. It has nothing to do with the feasibility of those businesses. And I've now sat through 
personally probably a hundred pitches from women of color for their businesses and I've sat through a couple of other hundred pitches from people that don't look like that and I can just say even anecdotally that there there's nothing to explain that there is yeah. nothing to explain that so it it is um, it is very shocking and very real that we have systemic issues and we must be willing to acknowledge that and not become so instantly defensive that we lose the ability to problem solve around that. No, absolutely. You know, I really appreciate you taking a deeper dive into privilege and some of these topics, because I think when, when, when people hear you describe it, then that armor and that guard can go down Then that understanding. Oh, okay. Right. And these are That's the conversations that I yeah. want to have on this podcast when it comes to privilege and when it comes to social justice, um, because nobody needs to be ashamed of who they are. That's not what this is about. It's about understanding who we are, understanding who others are, meeting them where they're at. We're, we chose to lead. Leadership is a choice. If you're listening to this podcast and you're not a leader and don't want to be a leader, I hope you still do these things. But when you're a leader, it's your duty and your responsibility. So we talked about mindset, people first, identity matters, growth mindset, huge, huge, huge grit, privilege, our experience shapes our reality. Anything you want to add before we shift to skill sets? I think that mindsets are, again, something that we're sort of, are sort of new to us collectively or newer to us collectively. So I think it's important that we acknowledge that we don't know necessarily most of us how we think and we haven't really taken time to dig into that so this is an area where working with a coach or working with someone who you trust and respect who's good at kind of reflecting and and self self inventory can be really really helpful it's hard to do this by ourselves because we we we're in the water we we're swimming in the water we can't see it to borrow to borrow a phrase from from some other folks um, so I really recommend getting someone to help you hold up that mirror and and understand and to and help you through that yeah the, the self-awareness of leadership is you know self-leadership is one of the most important leadership skills whether you have an executive coach leadership coach right. whether you have a mentor uh, whether you have trusted people who will tell you and be honest with you um, we, we can't just you know, we can't just trust ourselves to know we're getting it right. We need, and, yes. and, and even if we are, we've always got to be looking to grow. So let's, let's transition and talk about the skill sets. What were some of the important skill sets you identified in your work? So some of the skill sets that, that rose to the top were systems thinking, which I call seen around corners. Uh, people are generally terrible at long-term thinking. Terrible. We just do not come out of the womb good at that. And we have to learn that over time through experience. And some of us are better at it than others. In leadership, it is super, super important to be able to anticipate what are some of the potential consequences of this decision today, but not just today in the next three months, but what about a year from now, right? If I don't mm -hmm. promote this person now who's fully qualified, but I'm, you know, I'm kind of worried that uh, about something, 12 months out, they'll probably leave, right? And that might be okay. That might be the right thing for you, for them, for the organization. 
but I need to be able to anticipate that so that I'm not surprised and I'm not unprepared for that to happen. So I think that's a skill set we really benefit from as leaders. Uh, also, strategic thinking, for sure. So being able to really think about what's the most important thing, the, the points of highest leverage for, for us to work on right now, because there's always going to be a lot more that we can choose to put our energy and time into. And we need to be clear on what, what's most impactful right now. Emotional intelligence obviously is a, is a huge one. And you mentioned that earlier. And inspiring and including. So if we're working on understanding that identity matters, if we're working on understanding how privilege is impacting grit and people's efforts across the board, um, we need to be intentional about including people, inviting them into the process, inviting them into leadership, uh, and inspiring. And that doesn't mean you have to be charismatic. You can be very inspiring and still have, be very quiet, still be very introverted. It's about conviction and it's about that intention that you want to help light a fire for someone else in a good way. Awesome. How, so let me ask you this question and maybe they're similar because I'm just learning more and more about this term allyship, right? Yes. And so I, I hear some similarities there and in the intentionality of inclusion. Um, and I think allyship, if, as I understand it, has more to do with seeking an ally or intentionally being an ally to somebody who maybe is underrepresented, wouldn't be as high in the privilege quotation. Yes, exactly. It's You could think of allyship as operationalizing your privilege quotient. So it's, it's understanding that in certain scenarios, again, you have the opportunity, and I would go further and say the responsibility to show up as an ally for someone to say, wait a minute, I'd like to hear what Dolores thinks about that. She has a lot of great ideas. It's, it's making space for others and not just waiting for them to speak up, but inviting them to speak up actively. Sometimes we forget because we assume that as leaders, just because we're confident speaking up in that meeting, that why aren't, why aren't these other people speaking up? Yeah. 100%. I, I absolutely love that. I think about a couple of key factors, you know, pillar one in our seven pillars of ownership framework is psychological safety. Huge yes. issues. Second one is sense of belonging. The third one is aligning purpose, but then the fourth one is confidence and, and confidence really has an impact um, and how we're able and willing to show up what we're able to say. I mean, it's upper in the pillars because psychological safety is the foundation of that, but making space for others, and in inviting people to speak up. So, so powerful. As I think about these skill sets, I think one of a, a leader's greatest skills, two of them are one asking questions and then the next one listening. And not yes. listening with the intention to respond, listening with the intention to understand. When we ask our team members questions, when we intentionally involve them, we tell them, I care about you. You're important. You have value. I trust you. You matter, right? Yes. And those things, I appreciate you. Those are very important things that 
that our mindset, our skill set, and our behaviors are saying to people. They're very yes. important things. I think there's four things that every person needs, and especially within the workforce. They, they need to feel cared for. They need to feel like they're, they're valued. What they're doing is important. They have significance. They need to feel like they're just not part of a great team. They're part of what's making that difference, making that impact, and they need to feel appreciated. And when we put those four things together and we break down diversity, inclusion, like if we're getting those four things right, we're on our way. We're not there. We're on our way to, to having a real diverse and inclusive environment. And then I think you've talked about this and nailed this, that intentionality, this duty and, and, and responsibility. Anything you want to add to that or the skill sets before we transition to behaviors and start to wrap up? Well, I just want to say 100% to what you just said in terms of the impact you can have on people when you ask questions and how you want to, to encourage your team members to feel, right, and, and that sense of belonging. And I guess the, the nuance that I would add to that is we want to do those things and recognize that what we think would make us feel confident might be different mm -hmm. for someone who's not us. So that's where getting back to identity matters, building our cultural competence and our cultural humility is so essential. Because otherwise, I think what we risk is pulling forward all the leadership thinking that's been so great in the past, but without fundamentally shifting what needs to shift there so that it can serve people in the future. Does that make sense? Pure gold. What I wrote down and people that follow the podcast know I'm constantly taking notes and so I can stay on track and remember different things um, is give people what they need. Don't give them what yes. you need. And, and this is a takeaway for work, leadership, relationships, it's especially a takeaway for your marriage, right? Because oftentimes you end up with a partner that what you need and what they need is so different. You talk about the love languages and stuff. We're so good at giving people what we need. That's right. Terrible. It, it, most people, not everybody are terrible at giving people what they need if it isn't what we need. And so as leaders, what I hear you say, and that's why I just think it is absolute pure, pure gold, we have to know and understand our people and our team members so we can give them what they need, not give them what we need. Yes. And we, we can't put our own judgments around what it is they're telling us because something that that is a difficult situation for a 24-year-old single person might seem to someone who's married with five kids and three mortgages, like not a big deal, right? I mean, let's be honest. Sometimes, yeah. you know, especially as we get older, you say, wow, you think you're going through a hard time. But that kind of judgment and self-talk as leaders does not serve us well because that 24-year-old will see that in our face. They will see that, that, that that's a judgment that's coming forward. So it's being able to listen and give people that space to express themselves and us stay objectively apart from that, not get hooked into it, not, not worry about whether that is true or not, or has to change or not. Yeah, absolutely. My mind is, my mind is on absolute fire uh, with this conversation. I, I just so much 
gold here, Wendy. I really appreciate what you're what you're adding, what you're sharing, and the deeper dive and the way all that that is is coming in and actionable things and examples because that what you're just talking about is emotional intelligence, you know, and and awareness of how your emotions, how your facial expressions, how your words are impacting the emotions and experience of the other person, whether that's putting their armor up or putting it down, whether it's making them feel included or excluded, whether it's making them feel accepted or judged. Um, whether it's making them feel safe or unsafe. Uh, so, so important thing. So let's take a quicker dive into the behaviors and, um, and then we'll go ahead and start, you know, wrapping this thing up. Yeah. So for behaviors, I came up with an acronym called FIDA, F-I-D-A-H, because I like things that just help me remember things more easily. And so this works for me. And it is focus, integrity, decisiveness, authenticity, and humility. So over and over again in the 40 plus interviews that I did at the time I was writing the book, these were the things that came up. If when I asked people, tell me about a great leader that you've seen or worked for or really admire, everybody said humility, everybody said integrity focus was a big one. Decisiveness was a huge one. So these are all things that have to do with how people experience us. And it has nothing to do with the actual industry we're working in or the, the setting. So these are really universal behaviors that are sort of the outcome of our mindsets and our skill sets. If you kind of go from the reverse, I would also say that if you feel like, okay, I've got all these mindsets check, I've got all these skill sets check, but I'm not showing up to people as authentic, I still have work to do. At the end of the day, it's how people experience us. It's not, again, what we think we're good at. It's what do other people experience as they're working with us. Yeah. 100, 100%. How people experience us, experience us. So important. So for the behaviors, the, the fight of the focus, uh, integrity, decisiveness, authenticity, humility. We had a whole podcast. We've got, we've got two podcasts out there. Uh, one is on authenticity, authentic leadership. The, the other one's on the power of humility. We do tackle. We've got a couple out there on, on integrity for people to go back. Uh, Ron Carucci, um, you know, did a, did a podcast with this. I actually got his book right here to be honest, uh, lead with the power of truth, justice, and purpose. Ron is a, a rock star. He is the, I tell you, I, like I said, my brain's on fire here. It's fire. Wendy, I'm, I'm so grateful for you to come on, for you to take the time for you to share your expertise. You're doing incredible, incredible work. The angel work you're doing. I'm in awe of, um, just making such an incredible difference and impact. Is there a call to action you want to leave for our listeners? Yes. I, I think the, the call to action that, that I would offer up is, Think about someone in your life who you think has potential, whether it's your, your child, somebody else's child, uh, it's, it's a coworker that you're working with. And I want you to make a list of what are the things about them that, that really impress you? You know, what is it? And it can be simple things like, wow, they're so organized. Or I, I just, you know, they gave this amazing, um, rally speech the other day and it was it just you know lit the room on fire and then I want you to share that with that person 
what we need to practice as leaders and as, as humans is giving people concrete, actionable feedback, not just you're great, but I saw you do this thing and it was great and here's why, keep doing it. Awesome. And then once you get good at that and comfortable with that, because people, some people just have a tough time at giving that praise or recognition. It's yes. such an essential quality. If you're a leader, again, duty, responsibility. So practice that. She just gave you a simple, easy, actionable framework. The difference it'll make for your team members is incredible. And if you're already doing it, co-you. Great, yes. great job. And I would just say that if you've noticed doing that is uncomfortable for you, that is your signal and your invitation to more self-reflection and to doing some work. Because again, in the new environment and in the future, that is what we are being called to do. So if that's something that's uncomfortable, we need to unpack that and we need to work on, figure out why and how, how are we gonna address that? Challenge, Sort right? of a sneaky, sneaky way yeah. to get you to do some self-work in addition to lifting someone else up. Well, and, and for us, and a challenge doesn't have to be something external. It can be totally internal. It, and the greater right. the challenge is to you, the greater opportunity for growth it is. And it, it's all about, we have a duty and responsibility to continue to grow as leaders for our people, for our teams, for our organizations. So Wendy, thank you so much for, for taking the time and joining us today. Thank you. Thanks. It was such a pleasure to be here. Yeah, so we're talking to Wendy Ryan, just finished up her new book. You got to get it. Came out in May. I'll be ordering it after this episode. Learn, Lead, Lift, How to Think, Act, and Inspire Your Way to Greatness. Three key components, mindset, a couple key takeaways, people first, and identity matters. We do have to understand, and in a positive way, what is our privilege? Um, I'll try to get, uh, depending on what she has on that privilege quotient, and, and share it in the in the show notes there, just so, just so we can see. The, another thing is, is she wrote this book. She didn't just talk to CEOs of, you know, fortune 100 companies. She talked to artists, athletes, parents, therapists across the board. And, and one of the things in our intro is leadership is leadership. The principles of leadership transcend against, across all organizations. Leadership is about people strategy going to get more, more to your profession. We talked about skill sets, system thinking, strategic thinking, emotional intelligence, inspiring and including key takeaways out of that. Make space for others, invite them to speak up, give people what they need, not what you need. And then behaviors, focus, integrity, decisiveness, authenticity, humility, uh, to our listeners, if you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing. Uh, hit that subscribe button. You never miss another episode. Give us a rating or a review. That way we can help reach people more organically. All the ways to connect with Wendy will be in the show notes uh, right there in the podcast description. And remember, always be committed to excellence.